This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras on 680 CJOB. Hello, welcome. Cameron Poitras, Tyson Rewicki here. Jim Toth off. He'll be back next week. Tyson, how you doing? I'm doing good. Doing good, Cam. How are you? How you feeling? How, how, how are things settling in? We're settling in. That's a perfect way to describe <laughs> it. We're, just, we're settling we're in. We're starting to settle in. You know, you, you've been on the mound for a, a couple innings here. Maybe you gave off a, a hit here or run there. Maybe you gave off a walk you didn't want. But uh, the third inning, you're settling in. Now you're just... I mean, those those batters are just, you know. It's not like Alex Manoa yesterday, <laughs> where, you, where it's where it's one start in and then yeah. and then you just crumble all the way back. I mean, down. You're, these guys are going back to the dugout after. All you need to do is throw three pitches. That's it. They're heading back. It's all just, you need one, just two, only three. fastballs, baby. That's it. One, two, three. Ground ball to the shortstop. Easy out. Easy. Every day. Every day. Um, tons to get to here on the show. Uh, real busy here on the, on the program here. Jets at noon, Cameron Poitras, Tyson Rewicki, as I mentioned before. Um, Jim Toth is off. He's going to be back next week, uh, returning to the program. If you have any comments, please, please shoot us a text, 204-780-6868, 204-780-6868. Uh, always love to, to get feedback from you guys uh, as well. Um, we're going to talk about uh, several things. Of course, the, the Toronto Maple Leafs, as well as their uh, their goaltender, uh, Ilya Samsonov, uh, very, very far away, it seems, uh, in terms of arbitration. Uh, usually these, um, in, in Tyson, usually these things wrap up before they even get to arbitration, uh, but this one seems to be headed to that. We're going to talk about that uh, after the Sports Minute coming up at 1225. Uh, we'll continue on with the conversation as well. What does it take to get somebody and his name up in the rafters. I mean, I, I think retiring jersey numbers, I think that might be kind of going away. But what does it take? What kind of players should really have their name retired and put up in the rafters of their home barn? We'll talk about that as well as the show goes on. But first, Tyson, and this is something you wanted to talk about. Yeah, just the Jets D zone, right? Like some of the some of the woes that we've been seeing over the last little yeah. bit, the past couple seasons. And you brought up a really good stat just earlier today. And how about how... The Jets are second, I guess, second in defensive zone giveaways the past two seasons, not even just last season. They were they were second the previous season. And that's sort of stemming just from uh, there's a lot of people that need to do a better job. And there's obviously it starts with the D man who's making that pass. But there was a there's a lot of times where the forwards are not doing an adequate enough job making themselves available for those breakout passes. Yeah, there was a perfect example in Carolina that um, uh, eventually got Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor uh, and Nito Niederreiter by extension uh, on the bench for for half of a period. Um, if you, and I'm sure everybody remembers it, it was kind of a, I mean, how many plays go come and go over a season you don't remember? Everybody, I seem to remember this one. I think most people do. Uh, Brandon Dillon trying to get the puck out. Uh, Shifley and Kyle Connor both leave the zone uh, beforehand. Um Brandon Dillon has nowhere else to go with the puck. It turns into a turn. Uh, he turns the puck over at the blue line. It goes back, and uh, the Carolina Hurricanes score. Um, this, I think, and and this is the sort of thing. And and I I equate it to uh, football. You, you you it's you got the team in the CFL. You got him on third down. It's third and ten. 
they're they're le- the offense is leaving the field, and you take a unnecessary roughness call about something that had nothing to do with the play at hand. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff that really really ticks a coach off. When you see that the Winnipeg Jets and their giveaways in the defensive zone, they had first of all seventy four point five seven, almost seventy five percent of their giveaways um, came into the defensive zone last year, which is crazy. That's Second in the league, 478 uh, of them came in the defensive zone, and five that's 5.8 per game giveaways in the defensive zone. I mean, when you look at the team and where things went at the end of the year, and we had Morgan Barron on early on Monday, and he goes, you know, he's not really going to tip his cap so much. But he's going to say, listen, if we knew what, what was really ailing us and what was really uh, causing some of the issues, you know, we, we would have fixed it. And, and I believe that 100%. Um, and, and I think it, in a lot of ways, things just kind of happen. You start reeling, you start thinking too much and plays like this happen. Nobody, nobody's, nobody has the puck on their stick, Tyson, and is looking to, and looking to give it away in the defensive zone. Right. But 5.8 on average, 5.8 per game defensive zone giveaways. I mean, that's, that's wild. And that, that's why they struggle with teams like Vegas. And we saw it in the first round of this playoff series. Yeah. They when the jets have, a team that is very aggressive on the four check and likes to bring the pressure. Their puck movers on the back end, while they're they're adequate, they're decent. Mm-hmm. It's nothing spectacular. And there's there's not a lot of guys on there that can kind of get themselves out of a jam besides Morrissey and sometimes Neil Pionk. But even we saw with Pionk last year, there was a lot of times where he he's really struggled to get the puck out of his own end. Yeah. And when a team is facing that heavy four check, and I think that's why me and a lot of Jets fans really wanted Kevin Shevel, they have to add a, another defenseman on the back end at the mm-hmm. deadline. It was, I mean, the Nino trade and the Vladimir Mesnikov trade were both, I would say, A plus or A trades. Yeah. There's solid value that you got out of those two guys. With, without a doubt. Yeah, absolutely. But that's, it wasn't the most pressing need for me. And I think that going in, and especially this past offseason, and we talked about it earlier this week, there's not a lot of change on that back end. So what, what are the kind of, what are you going to be changing on the, in the forward group and in the defensive group in the defensive zone to kind of mitigate those problems that you were having, getting the puck out of the net, you know, even a guy like Mark Shifley at towards the end of the season, he got moved out to the wing because there was just so many times where it wasn't, he wasn't in the right spot. He wasn't tying yeah. the guy up and he wasn't making himself available for those breakouts. You have him moving back down the middle because out of necessity, and it's going to be a little bit different just thinking that, you know, how how much commitment are we going to have here? Is there going to be is there going to be a full buy into the system that you've already seen that, you know, last season there mm-hmm. was that buyout kind of ran out near the end of the year. It's going to be it's going to be super interesting to see what happens. It's a fair question. I mean, it honestly is because um, there needs to be a commitment to consistency in playing the same style of game. And we saw that at the end of the year, right? Halfway through the season, uh, we saw the team start to fall back into old habits that have been developed over the course of several years with this team, right? And um, there was a belief that the change in leadership, you know, taking the C off of, of Blake Wheeler, that was going to be sort of uh, the avenue to let other players sort of step up and have their voice in the locker room. Um now I, I don't doubt that everybody's voice wasn't was was certainly heard, and everybody had an opinion and was respected. I have I have no doubt that that happened, but some voices were bigger than others, and that didn't change. So with Blake Wheeler being bought out, 
in New York, uh, Pierre Luc Dubois in Los Angeles. I mean, uh, I mean, you know, Pierre Luc Dubois was only here for a number of years, a few years, uh, but I, I, I think he still had a a fairly big, a big, a big spot in 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 that locker room. So we're going to wait and see what happens. Um, and and sort of the question goes to with the Winnipeg Jets. How do you clean that up? Like, I mean, that's just, it's, you're getting pinned in. I mean, it, when, when you, when you're giving up that many defensive zone giveaways, I can't believe it's taking me this long to, f- to see this stat. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's July tw- 19th. And I finally saw this one. Um, and, and, and you know what it honestly it does? It starts with the forwards. It starts with the forwards uh, supporting, uh, supporting the defense. Yeah. If the, I mean, if the forwards aren't in their spots and like how many times do we see a guy behind his defenseman? That's, that's the number yeah. one basic rule. You mm-hmm. do not let your defenseman get in front of you when you're in the D zone and adding Gabe Bellardi, Alex, I I think that's definitely going to help. Those are two yeah. very solid defensive players. So throughout your lineup, you're adding a little bit more of just a steadiness there, but yeah. all in all, there's still, there's still a problem on the back end. I, I don't think that got addressed this off season. Maybe Declan Chisholm comes in and he's more of an adequate puck mover than some of the other guys. I, you and I both agree on this. I think Dylan Sandberg is going to have to take on a more offensive role, not mm-hmm. necessarily where he's only focusing on offense, but I do think that there's a little bit of skill and production there that can still be tapped into. And I think that's going to be a key part for this defense this year. And a lot of you're, you're really relying a lot of that on a second year defenseman. And that's, it's got some problems there. And you look at a guy like Brendan Dillon too, who yeah, he's just another guy who's super steady, but it's not the greatest puck mover. When, once yeah. that pressure comes in, you need guys who are quick decision makers and some guys just aren't as quick as others. And that's no knock on them, yeah. but it's just the reality of the situation. Yeah. I, I think, I think fairly quickly over the course of the season, I would say 20 games, um, you're going to see Dylan Sandberg, you know, barring anything happen, really start to establish himself as a, as the, as the number as the number two guy on that left side, um, I, th- I think you keep Dylan Demello and, and I think Neil Pionk. Neil Pionk's got got some ways to go. I think he's got uh, parts of his game that he needs to he needs to figure out. He needs to go back to the way that he was playing prior to that hit uh, from Jason Spezza. That he seems to, you know, I, I, is there psychological aspects of that? But it seemed like that that was sort of a turning point for him. And um, and listen, the Winnipeg Jets are going to need him to be a uh, a, a big time on on that right side. And uh, but but just to go back to your 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 point before, and we'll we'll take a break here. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, there there needs to be some more support there. And yeah, I mean, did um, did did Kevin Chevalov try to bring in a a defenseman? I have no doubt about that, particularly on the right side, where they need that help. I mean, you know, you got Dylan Sandberg, Ville Hainala. You know, you got Logan Stanley on that left side, as well as Brendan Dillon. I mean, there's. I mean, we've been talking so much about that log jam, uh, but I mean, I think there would have been there would have been uh, there, there's room for there. And you know, are we going to see uh, Mark Shifley? Are we going to see Connor Hellebuck uh, in Winnipeg to start the year? Seems more increasingly as uh, as as actually what's going to happen. Uh, as we go to break, uh, Dave Hackstall is going to be say, uh, staying in Seattle. Uh, the Kraken have agreed to an extension through 2025, 2026 with. Uh, with the head coach terms of the contract, not made public. Why not? Yeah. I mean, there was a great second year for the Kraken. I'm not, I'm not sold on Dave quite yet. Oh, 
Tor- oh, Toronto. He, he ran the tw- Toronto penalty kill last. Coach the Flyers. Terrible. Yeah. So, it's pers- It's personal for you it's and very, the Ruwiki clan and your. It's very personal. That orange. That orange tinted. The orange, orange tinted glasses. Tint, the I orange tinted glasses. All the devastating. All the devastation you've you've been handed to by the by the Philadelphia Flyers. It's tough. It's gonna, it's, it's it's gonna tough. be an ugly. It's gonna be an ugly couple of years. Let's take a break. Let's come back on the other side. Uh, other news: Ilya Samsonov and the Maple Leafs. Um, yeah, they're far apart. We'll talk about that on the other side. Jets at noon on six eight CJOB. Welcome back here. The Toronto Maple Leafs and goaltender Ilya Samsonov are two and a half million apart in salary arbitration filings. Uh, Samsonov filed at four point nine million, while the team submitted at four point uh, two point four million. With a hearing scheduled for Friday, the two sides have until the hearing to reach a contract outside of the arbitration process. Can you make up two and a half million dollars before an arbitration process? I don't think so. I don't think this is personal. I just think that when it, listen, the the Leafs have three point two million dollars over the cap. When you count their long-term injury reserve candidate cap space, they have no room to spend. They have nothing to spend. No, and Samsonov's got all the leverage right now, too, because he can just say, hey, you guys you guys need me. You have no cap to go get another goalie, and I'm right, I'm the only guy you have right now, so you know, give me a, give me a de- clear, clear some cap and give me a decent contract. That's absolutely right. Probably going to be a one-year, too, and then we'll see what happens. We'll be right back. More Jets at noon after this. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Let's turn the keys back over to Jets at Noon with Elder Statesman, host Cameron Poitras. Elder Statesman. I guess I did turn 32 over the weekend, so. Happy birthday, my friend. I haven't got to Ah, wish that to you yet. Yeah, finally on Wednesday at 1232, I finally get one from Skylar. Thanks. Happy birthday, Cam. Thanks, Tyson. Hey, I still be your (laughs) (laughs) co-host. You're also the oldest person on the air right now. How does that feel? Uh, Jeffrey Forche pushing the buttons. He's, oh, older. Okay. He's older than me by a, a couple of couple days. months. Yeah. No, a couple of days. He's an early July birthday. Huh. Right. Right. Forche. Right. Or, Grandpa Forts. Can you, <laughs> yeah, is your right. hearing aid on? Can you, there we go. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, he's turning up his hearing aid now. Don't drop your cane. <laughs> I'll try not to. Yeah. <laughs> I can't promise you anything. Yeah. No. Cause you're, I'm, I'm July 16th and your birthday is June 24th. June 24th. I thought, was, I thought it was early July. Getting up there. Unreal. Unbelievable. Up there. Oh, God, it's 2023 already. Middle of 2023. Yeah. Oh, that's God. the thing Don't that's getting is. me, boys. We're we're on the back half. Days are getting short. We are in the back half. I'm like, oh, like God. when I do the news, I like sometimes I could go play 18 in the morning, right, and then come right to work. You can't even do that anymore. You have like a two week window. So I was thinking about it this week. I'm in with Julie, uh, except for today. I'm like, oh, I could like I could sneak out to Bridges, do my 18 solo, fly around there in a couple hours, and come into work. And I'm like, now it's not possible. Time is just slipping yeah, away, that's, gentlemen. Yeah, <laughs> that's life's that's life's biggest. You mystery, know what? There's right? always next year, Skyler. Anyway, Skyler <laughs> Peters, he'll be back at one o'clock with your news. Tyson Ricky, Cam Poitras here. Text the show 204-780-6868. 204-780-6868. Uh, Jim Toth. Uh, he's going to be back. Uh, next week. Now, you know, we were talking about the Winnipeg Jets and, and, and their defense, and I, I think they found uh, pieces to fix 
what ailed them last year. Like you said earlier in the last break, Tyson, Vladislav Nemestikov, Nito Niederrader, Gabe Velarde, uh, Alex Iafalo, uh, going to be around for, for, the, for the season to start the year uh, on this team. That's a, that's a big help in terms of team depth at forward. Um, as well as uh, guys that are that really are, are uh, committed to two way and, and playing hard and that sort of thing, um, is it enough? When you look at the Western Conference, uh, where do you think the Winnipeg Jets sort of stack up? And things could still change. We could still see some trades. There's still some moves here. I think Calgary might be pretty uh, active as the season goes on. Here, I actually think they have the biggest chance to be active. Um, but where do you think? Do you think? When you look at the Central Division specifically, the Colorados, the Dallas, the Minnesotas, do the Winnipeg Jets stack up? Well, I think there's a clear hierarchy in the Central where you have Colorado and Dallas are the two teams, in my opinion, that are an echelon above the rest of the division. Then you start to get down to your St. Louis's, the Winnipeg's, the Nashville's. Minnesota's that's where it gets a little hairy all mm-hmm. like all those teams have deficiencies and there's and even a team like Calgary who they'd be battling for a wild card obviously yeah but Calgary is very similar to the Jets right now you got guys like Elias Lindholm and the Jets are in the same situation with Mark Shifley like two guys who probably are on their way out but they're holding on to them for now just so waiting to see if they can get the best package possible I I think Unfortunately, the Jets are going to finish just outside the playoffs this yeah, year. Yeah, I think it'll be tough. I think it's going to be tough. I, I, I think that, um, and and again, there's there's going to be pieces that they're going to have to move that they can't let go for nothing, right? right. High-end pieces, um, Connor Hellebuck, Mark Shifley, if and when they don't re-sign. We'll wait and see what happens. You know, There could be a one-year or two-year deal ahead of that as they sort of wait for the cap. Uh, to sort of open up and them to get paid what they're what they're des- what they deserve, um, which they're not going to get <laughs> right now or next year even perhaps yeah. uh, if they do hit the UFA status. But uh, I I I have to agree with you. I I look. I I just think that with a coaching change in Calgary, Ryan Huska taking things over, um, I just think that they underperformed so badly last year. The Calgary Flames. Uh, I mean, Jonathan Huberto, the biggest differential between one year to the next in terms of points, that's not going to continue. He's going to get back on track this year, I believe. I believe Nazem Kadri is going to get back on track. they got a lot of really good players in Calgary. Um, they got a lot of decisions to be made with Noah Hannafin and um, and, and, and the rest there, those guys that, you know, the you know, Elias Lindholm and other decisions to be made. But I, I just think that they're going to be a much better team as they were last year. They lost some horrendous games against some some lower level teams in the standings. I, I think I think that they're they're going to be a better team. I, I do. I I think L A. Are they going to be Are they going to be as good as they were last year? I think so. I, I think L A. might even be better. Um, uh, Edmonton, I think, is going to be status quo. They're going to be the Edmonton Oilers. I think Vegas is going to be the same. Um, Minnesota. I just think when I look at Minnesota. And I, and I look at what they do good, um, or what they do well, sorry, <laughs> what they do well. They they don't really score five on five, but they don't allow any goals against five on five. They're smart with the puck. They don't turn the puck over. They're patient, and they take pucks away. Um, they crash the net. They clean up rebounds. I don't see that changing this year coming up. 
I, I, I just think that team knows what they're supposed to do. I mean, not having Ryan Reeves, that might that might affect certain things. But I, I think Minnesota's really dialed in on, on how they want to play. And I don't think that's going to change next year. I think Dean Evison is the head coach of that team, is going to keep them where they where they are. Colorado, I don't see them budging. Um, Dallas, uh, I, I think, might be the best team in the West next year. Yeah. I, I, I just think that they're I think they're rock solid. I really do. I don't think I think they're the team uh that has the has the has this the fewest weaknesses in the Western Conference. Does that mean they're gonna get to the Stanley Cup final? No, not necessarily. But they have some they have some great, great pieces. Uh great lines, fantastic penalty killing, great power play. Uh Jason Robertson, uh, Joe Pavelski, the man that does not age. Um, you know, down the middle, uh, I, I think they're 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 really strong. Um, with with Rupe Hints, who's a fantastic player, this Wyatt Johnson guy, he's coming up, twenty years old, uh, high upside uh, score, great shot, continuing to develop, is going to find his defensive side of the game eventually. And then you have Tyler Sagan as your third line center. Um, and then uh, you know, I uh, Miko uh, Miko Hayes uh, Hayes I'm, I'm a big fan of his. I think he's a great defenseman, and I, I think Jake Ottinger is one of the best uh, one of the best um, netminders in in the league. So uh, I, I I really think that the Dallas Stars are going to be a, a great team, and I and I look at that. I mean, Seattle. Okay, that that's one team I could see sort of drop. I mean, are they going to be are they going to be a hundred point team next year? Maybe, maybe not. I wouldn't be surprised one way or the other. I wouldn't be surprised if they dropped. But I think Calgary's going to be good, and I, and I, I think Winnipeg's going to find itself just outside of the playoffs. But when I look at the other teams in the in the West, this is what is really going in the Winnipeg Jets' favor. The Anaheim Ducks are going to be maybe worse this year than they were last. Really bad. They're going to be really bad. Chicago. Really bad. They're going to be really bad. Uh, you know, despite what Connor Bedard's going to go in there and do, he's not going to lift that team into a playoff spot. That's for sure. San Jose is going to be worse. Wait and see what happens with Eric Carlson. They're not going to be good. Arizona, again, like a team that's I don't even think is even trying to compete. Um, Nashville, not awful. I mean, Ryan O'Reilly is going to be a big a big piece there. I think getting Matt Duchesne off the team is good. I mean, he's with Dallas, and I just spoke. Highly of Dallas, but Matt Duchesne's going to be a guy on a third line there. Like that's where he's going to find himself. Um, but Vancouver, you know, Nashville. I just don't think that. I, I just don't think that they're in a. They're in. They're in a. I mean, uh, I mean, David Poyle said that a little while ago. It's it's a it's it's a uh, uh, a competitive rebuild. And they've been doing that for the last number of years. And maybe that's what the Winnipeg Jets really are doing at the end of it. Yeah, I'm actually a big fan of Nashville's offseason so far. And I, and I like the, their young nucleus that they're starting to build already. Mm-hmm. Like Luke Evangelista has been, was awesome at the it's end fan, of last year. Fantastic. AHL has been great in the AHL. Yeah. Philip Tomasino, another one of their first round picks. He's, he's a guy who I think still needs a little, has a little bit more to tap into, but if he does tap into that, he can be a really dynamic player. I like he's, him a lot. I like him a lot. I, and you look at other guys like Tommy Novak and Cody Glass, two guys who spent some time with Milwaukee and then they start to get their chance. And they, especially Tommy Novak, he really took off in the second half of the season there. He's he's going to become a real, real great player. Yeah. I mean, just his vision with the puck. I mean, particularly at the end of last year, I was watching some highlights of his when the Jets are playing the Preds. Uh, near the end of the season, and I'm like, man, this guy's for real. This guy's for real. Novak's going to be great in NHL. Yeah, and with that defense, too, and you have UC Soros there, 
obviously you, you could say that there is that he's due for a little bit of a re- regression because last season was so crazy for Soros. But that defense is still solid. Soros is obviously a top five goaltender in the league. And I think that 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 forward group has the ability to really grind into you. Yeah. Like, I think I could see, I don't, I don't want to go too hot here, but I could honestly get hot, see, get hit, bring the heat, man. I, I could see Nashville taking that Seattle role oh, this year. Oh boy. Uh, maybe, maybe, I don't know. I mean, when you have Roman Yossi and you have UC Soros on a team, um, you know, is is Philip Forsberg gonna gonna stay uh, gonna stay healthy? And I well, Andrew Burnett too, bringing him in as the head coach. I think that's gonna do wonders for Forsberg's game. I think yeah. that's gonna really open it up for him, and we possibly see him get back to that forty goal plateau. I I'm not really sold on St. Louis too much. Yeah, it's they brought in some some names, but it's nothing that's really a big needle mover. Yeah, it's it's like Vancouver, right? I mean. They brought in some guys that can kill penalties, uh, you know, adding Teddy Bluger, Ian Cole, Carson Sose, uh, you know, uh, Sose, guys that can kill penalties. That's what they really need to do. Like the Canucks are not going to find themselves in a playoff spot until they can fix their penalty kill, which was dead last in the league uh, because it's scoring goals is not the Canucks issue. Uh, it's keeping the puck out of the net. Uh, and they have been unable to do that. They've allowed way too many, way too many goals like that. Um, and they're they're they they got to be able to figure figure out. So do I do I not like do I hate what Vancouver did this off season? Um, no, I, I I don't hate it, but they got to stop. They're, they they allow way too many uh, high danger chances, high danger shots, and their penalty kills just not good enough. So when you bring in guys like Cole and and Bluger, it, it makes sense. Like I can I, I can look at what the Canucks are doing and it says, okay, this makes sense. They're trying to improve the penalty kill, which they feel is what really, really killed them last year. But I, I just think that there's more other deep seated issues within the Vancouver Canucks. I think it's a cultural thing. I think it comes down from the top. Um and I think that they have there's there's some there's some there's some huge structural issues with the Canucks. So I, I don't think that they make the playoffs next year. I, I, I think that I think that they're a team that you know, misses the playoffs by like they did last year, 12 points. I could see a very similar situation with the Canucks next year. And you mentioned the culture with the Canucks. And I think that's a byproduct of them being in the worst spot in sports. Mm -hmm. And it's that middle. It's that kind of purgatory where you're not quite good enough to make the playoffs, but you're not bad enough to where you're getting high, high picks so that you can rebuild. The Canucks are, are kind of in that spot and, when you let that go on for too long and you're in and out of the playoffs and you're not experiencing sustained success, that that weighs on a lot of players. And that's mm-hmm. sort of what concerns me about the Winnipeg Jets is that if we see this sort of one year we make the playoffs, one year we take a step back, then the next year we have a couple guys have some career years and we're back in for a little bit and then it's another first round exit. Yeah, you it, you can't be in that spot. I I, I like when teams, it's up to the it's up to the scouts. It's up yeah. to the draft the guys in the draft. And the Jets have done pretty well at finding those guys totally. that fall in the mid spots. Yeah, it's just I I like when teams pick their direction. Mm-hmm. Right, the ultimate goal is to win a Stanley Cup, and I feel there's two ways you can go. It's where you either go in the rebuilding way and you completely put all your efforts into yeah. that move out big contracts that aren't going to be, that aren't going to fit the timeline of you getting into that cup or you move your prospects and your picks and you take, and you try to take that next step with veterans and beat in the middle. It kind of, it doesn't really help anyone. It doesn't help the fans. 
doesn't help the team and it doesn't help the players. Yeah, the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, so I, I were you in agreement here, bubble team. Yeah, yeah, that's where I think they're going to be. I think it's going to be a team that's going to that's going to be in the mix for a playoff spot. Uh, could they get into the playoffs? Yes. Could they miss the playoffs? Yes. I think that they're going to be a team that um, they're going to have to come out of the gates. They're going to have to win some games. Uh, they're going to have to rely on the things that have won them before. I mean, if Connor Hellebuck's going to be between the pipes, he might they might need his best year yet from him. That's for sure. Uh, just as we go to break, I'll do a take a text message from Kyle 204-780-6868. I said the LA Kings um, might be better, uh, but then Kyle makes a really good point here. Uh, LA has possibly the worst goaltending tandem in the league. It'll be interesting to see how they do and if they're calling about Hellebuck a month into the season. Yeah, uh, they're rolling into the year. So far, of course, things can can definitely <laughs> and certainly change. Uh, with the likes of Cam Talbot and Phoenix Copley. Yeah, that's both guys it's, are injury prone too. Yeah, and, I mean you're 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 in one there. You're in one. Um, I mean they're strong by the middle. I I I think that they need Quinton Byfield to, to take another to be a a difference maker, a needle mover, as you just said. But other than that, like I I think they're a real strong team. Like I I I think that they've. I think outside of that, I think they built themselves pretty well. They got to they got to figure out the goaltending issue. Yep, they're a team that I see at the deadline making a couple big moves and being that team to watch once we head into the playoffs. Let's take a break. On the other side, what does it take to be to have your name and be a guy with your name in the rafters? It seems to be kind of a moving target about what it actually takes. We'll talk about that after this. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Welcome back. Uh, final segment of the show. Uh, Miko Kippersoff for the Calgary Flames. Uh, news came down yesterday. He's going to have his name uh, retired. He's going to join Lanny McDonald, Jerome McGinley, Mike Vernon as the only other three uh, players to have their uh, numbers retired um, in, a, in a ceremony for the Calgary Flames. Uh, yeah, I mean, like... It's it's interesting how certain teams uh, handle that this sort of thing. You know, the Minnesota Wild they only have one. They have uh, Miku Koivu and uh, number one. They actually yeah. have number one retired for the fans. Yeah. What do you think about that? It's, it's kind of lame. It's pretty lame. It's pretty lame. It's absolutely lame. And then you see, look, the St. Louis Blues, Al McKinnis, uh, you know, Brian Sutter, Brett Hall, uh, Chris Pronger, among a list of of many others. Of course, the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, a much longer list there. Nick Lindstrom, Ted Lindsay, Gordy Howe, uh, Sid Abel, you know, Stevie Eiserman and, and, and that sort of thing. The, the Coyotes, well, they, they, they took the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, they only really have Shane Doan. But, but like, in, when it comes to the, those sort of players, it makes a lot of sense. You know, Columbus only has one, you know. Rick Nash, you know, he, he, his name was retired there. Carolina, Rod Brendamore, Rod Francis. Um, you know, the, and the Jets have sort of a Hall of Fame. They're not retiring numbers and stuff like that. But Chris Neal is having his name retire. Or, you know, he's having a ceremony. Um, and a you know an enforcer, uh, sixteen years in the National Hockey League, all with the Ottawa Senators, fan favorite, no doubt. I'm not taking away that he's an iconic and uh, legendary member of the Ottawa Senators, but is he really a guy that should have his name up there? And I know Ross Labatton has was going to disagree with us, but 
That, that's, but he's, his heart is there. Exactly. And his the, heart's there. It's not ever. We got to look everywhere else. And that's what the that's what the team's Hall of Fame is for. It's for honoring your iconic members of the organization and giving them the spotlight. But a, ret- a jersey retired is, to me, like the pinnacle. That's yeah. what. That's where you are an icon. It's you're not just a member of the Hall of Fame. You are the franchise. Yeah. Like, like no one should wear 19 for the Red Wings again yeah. or number nine. Yeah. Like it's just those are untouchable. And that's kind of like where I stand on it. Chris Neal, death, first ballot, Ottawa Senator Hall of Famer. Sure. Go yeah. for it. But yeah. Jersey retired. Come on. Yeah. I mean, Daniel Alfredson's number 11 with the Senators. He, should he be there? Daniel Alfredson was an icon in that franchise. I, I, yeah. With them being kind of a newer franchise too. the franchise that, Sorry, Ross. Hasn't really won anything. So, Oh, how dare you? Eric Lindros is number 88. Now that's a retired number. Bobby and Clark's number 16 with the Philadelphia Flyers. The Flyers do it where if you make the Hall of Fame, you get your jersey retired. That's pretty, that's a, that's a reasonable. That yeah. makes sense. Every team, at your, uh, you know, has this, you know, like the Nashville, Pecorine. That makes sense. Yeah. You know, he was a, a staple of the franchise. You know, Vesna winner and all that sort of thing. And I'm not even going to try to give you all the ones in the Habs. Um, but look at the Ducks, you know, Team Mussolini, Paul Correa, Scott Niedermeyer. I mean, those are iconic members of the Anaheim Ducks, and they all are deserving of that honor. Chris Neal, not so sure. They have to be bigger than the team. Yeah. Anyways, uh, that's it for me. I will be back. That's it for Tyson. Thank you so much. Great job today. Thank you very much to Jeffrey Fortier for producing the show. And that's it for me. I'll be back. Same time tomorrow. See ya. Chats at noon on 680 CJOB.